Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as we enter the season of Lent, we go back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Luke. Baptism, temptation, rest. That's the order that we see in Luke chapter 3 and 4. And that's the, the movement of Jesus' experience there. He was baptized in the Jordan in Luke 3. He was tempted in the desert in Luke 4, 1 through 12. Then he found a brief period of rest in Luke 4, verse 13. It was the beginning of his ministry. But it's also the movement of the entire Christian life. Baptism, temptation, rest. The change that we have now in the liturgical season gives us a good opportunity today to look at the Christian life from a higher elevation, to step back from the details of life and look at the big picture. And as we do this, uh, it will help us to reimagine the, the shape of our lives and re-engage in the daily grind with renewed perspective and vigor. So today we're going to look at the threefold movement of the Christian life that I said there, baptism, temptation, and rest. First, baptism. Remember your baptism. Martin Luther encouraged us that every time you see water, to remember your baptism. Why? Because it's that important. We had a wonderful opportunity on Ash Wednesday to have the, the sign of the cross put upon our forehead in ashes. To remember that, that we are dust and to dust we shall return. But also to be able to remember the cross that was first placed there at our baptism. The cross that was placed upon our forehead and our heart marking us as ones redeemed by Christ the crucified. I notice I don't see anyone that still has ashes on their forehead, right? The ashes are long gone. But the cross that was placed there in your baptism, it's still there. The promises made to you at your baptism, they're still there. They're still good. They still remain. And so remember your baptism. Remember the promise of forgiveness, life, and salvation that is yours. But also remember the new identity and the new life that has begun in your baptism. Now, what kind of identity and life is this? Well, for one, to remember that baptismal identity is a corporate identity. What I mean by that is that uh, in baptism, we are united to one another as members of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about that, how we are united together. And so our baptism really is the end of isolation and individualism. We are united. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Our baptismal identity is characterized by newness of life. And this new life that's given to us is free from the punishment of sin, but also free from the bondage of sin. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? And he says, By no means. By no means. For 
we are back. We are made new. In short, our identity is now caught up in Jesus. He lives in us. We have those wonderful words from Galatians 2, verse 20, where Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what our baptism means. That's our new identity, Christ in us. His Spirit works in us and through us to live in loving unity with others and also to be of service, to serve the Lord or to serve others the same way the Lord has first served us with his forgiveness, with his grace. And so remember your baptism. Remember the fact that in your baptism, you have ongoing daily effects from that. Because it wasn't, oh, I was baptized. It's I am baptized. And that daily remembrance is so important because we live in the midst of a world that is so filled with sin and temptation. And that brings us to the second part of the flow of the Christian life, temptation. In our text, we see that Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, being tempted over a period of 40 days. Anytime you see the 40 days there, uh, it, it should bring to mind certain things, and especially the connection to Israel's wandering in the desert for 40 years is an obvious connection because Jesus, as the greater and more faithful Son of God, did what the Israelites could not do. And what we could not do. Life in a world beset by sin within and without is filled with temptation. And as we face each day, as we face all these temptations, we should not imagine Jesus primarily as an example to follow. But rather than an example, we see in Christ the one who fulfilled what we could never do and gives us the credit for it. The Lord's Prayer in Luke 11, verse 4, concludes with the petition, lead us not into temptation. And why? Because we can't handle it. Not even with an arsenal of memorized Bible verses on hand. We still fail. We still fall short and mess up. But Jesus, the faithful son, has conquered sin and the devil for us. And he is our only hope in the time of temptation. And so we deal with temptations by turning to Christ. By turning to him for strength and for protection. Because the devil is constantly at work against us. The devil tries over and over again to get us to doubt that God is really taking care of us. He tempts us to try to take things uh, into our own hands. Rather than to trust in God. Rather than to trust that God really will provide. So we, re we need to remember that Christ's victory is our victory too. It goes back to remembering our baptism. 
that were connected to Christ in his death and his resurrection. His victory is our victory. A victory that we could never accomplish on our own, but that is ours now by grace through faith. It's now ours as we are baptized into Jesus' triumphant death and resurrection. It's ours as we eat his body and drink his blood. It's ours because we are not our own. But now we live in him and him in us. His life is our life. And everything that he did, everything that Jesus did in his entire ministry was for you. Was for you so that that you would be his forever. His birth. His circumcision, his life, his temptation, his obedience, his faith, his suffering, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, all of it, all yours, all given to you when you hear those wonderful words, I forgive you all of your sin. Because forgiveness is not getting off the hook. Forgiveness is getting a new life. The life of Christ given to you. The life of Christ that will never end. Because as Paul wrote, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved from the devil, from your sin, from yourself. You will be saved, not because of what you did. Not because you said the right words or did the right things but because of what Jesus did for you. You will be saved, for you have a Savior. A Savior who fought for you and who won. Again, Satan will work his hardest to try to make you forget that. To forget that and to instead try to rely on yourself. He'll make you try to doubt it. He'll make you try to think that you're somehow unworthy of God's gifts. He'll try to make you think that, that he's your best friend, that, that the devil has a better way for you, and he's not going to give up. The devil's going to keep coming after us day after day. And so again, Jesus taught us to pray and lead us not into temptation. Father, rescue me, for only you can don't leave me on my own. Send your spirit to guard me and to keep me. Your spirit to lead me to Christ and to keep me in Christ. That's what we're praying when we pray, lead us out of temptation. Lead us to Christ. In Christ, we're safe. In Christ, we have life. In Christ, we have victory. That we may be his own and live under him in his kingdom. And serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Now, don't underestimate the enemy. But do remember who won. Because that's the message and the enduring hope that we have in Christ. That against the devil and all his works and all his ways, we have a mighty fortress. As we just sang a little bit ago. We have a mighty fortress, a refuge, a rest. 
Which brings us to that last part of the Christian life, rest. And really, it's almost hidden there in Luke chapter 4. It's hidden and tucked into one little verse. And that's okay. In fact, that's often how it goes in this life, isn't it? We could always say we need more rest, right? Because of the sin that clings so closely, we're never entirely free of temptation. The rest that we experience in this life is always like a halt in enemy fire as we hunker down in the trenches. But we're still there in the trenches. The only rest that we have this side of eternity is the promise of forgiveness and life in Christ. Despite our inability to withstand temptation, God is gracious. God is forgiving. He provides rest to the weary and strength for the weak. He forgives those who have faltered and he offers life to the dying. And that's really the importance of gathering here together in God's house week after week. Being fed and nurtured in word and sacrament. It's the importance of gathering together as a church family and Bible study. Being in God's word, hearing his promises, studying what he says to us. And when we're, when we're away from here, to make sure as families that we're together in prayer and family devotions. Where we're given that rest in Christ. Where we're fed and nurtured with God's good gifts. Now, part of this promise, indeed the fullness of this promise, will only be realized when Jesus comes again. But know that truth and rejoice in that truth that the day is coming when Christ will return to bring eternal rest and eternal joy and peace for you as his people. Certainly every instance of rest here and now is at best uh, only a glimpse of that eternal rest. And so until then, until that great and glorious day when Christ comes again, what do we do? Well, we remember our baptism. We remember the promises given to us there. We face temptation each and every day by relying on Christ, relying on what he has done for us. And we rejoice in the rest that he gives us in word and sacrament, in the fellowship of his church, until that great and glorious day when we rest together in God's eternal kingdom.